do 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 here we go my name's todd this is kathy welcome back to another episode of zen parenting radio this is podcast number 656 why listen to zen parenting radio because you'll feel outstanding and always remember our motto which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding uh today's uh, triple threat kathy and i just recorded a, an interview that's going to be launched next week. Um, we interviewed a woman named Dr. Dana Suskind, and she wrote a book called Parent Nation. So you guys can all listen to that next Tuesday. Um, and then two weeks after that, Ben Feller is going to be on with us. And Ben Feller's this badass White House correspondent reporter guy who wrote this children's book that was kind of awesome. And that then, is awesome. That kind of awesome. And then two weeks after that, there's there's an actor who I've always been, I've always admired. Uh, his name is Michael Ian Black, not for his acting ability, which I'm sure is fine, but he's been a voice for what I would call healthy, mature masculinity. And he wanted to be on our show. And just so you all know, we get asked a lot. And most of the time, you you know us, we like to be selfish on this podcast and well let, instead of saying that todd because that's not true oh i'm it's i'm totally selfish <laughs> that word selfish i don't like that word i love it what it is is the format of this show since day one for the last day of 11 years is a discussion between todd and i but when people are looking at parenting podcasts they assume that they're all about having guests and we do have occasional guests um but it's just not that common but these people there's just a lot of amazing people yeah it's hard for us to say no to some of these people right it, and 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 you and I love to interview people like that. It's like this mixed bag where like our real, our, our true joy is sitting here having a conversation between mm-hmm. the two of us, because that's what, that's the guts of the show. But then there's so many people to learn from, and there's so many amazing books out there and um, things that we want to promote. So we do have a lot of those kind of shows coming up. Um, and just, this is my marketing blurb of the day. Okay. Because I don't think that I'm necessarily that good of a marketer. You do a much better job than I do, sweetie, on social media and all that. But the experts tell me that the best way to grow the audience, because we think that we have a pretty good message uh, that people would like to hear, is simply tell a friend. Oh. Just tell a friend about our show. That's the deep marketing wisdom? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's deep. Um, but I don't think I've ever asked that. Oh. I've never asked anybody to share our podcast with anybody, or if I have, it's been few and far between. So uh-huh. anyways, um, yeah, just tell a friend, say, Hey, check out this podcast. It's not bad. These guys, these two don't suck. Yeah. Yeah. They hopefully will make you feel better and, and make you feel as if um, there's things that we can do and supports available and that we, and give ourselves some grace. Two quick takes today. Yes. Did you know that in baseball, major league and minor league I knew league you baseball, were going to bring up sports things. Uh, like five minutes ago when I said, what yeah. are you going to bring up? I wanted to be like, you're going to talk about sports. Go ahead. That's one of the two things. Okay, keep going. A record 11 women currently hold on-field coaching and player development roles across major and minor leagues. Four years ago, that number was zero. So say it to me again. A record 11, 11 women currently hold on-field coaching and player development roles across the major in minor leagues. Four years ago, the number was zero. And so tell me how that has shifted. Why? I, I obviously know Why? That there's more. What I'm saying is what structures were put in place to make that be- To allow reality. that to happen? Mm-hmm. I don't know. We got our heads out of our ass? Yeah. How <laughs> about <you>. that? <laughs> women have something, you know, there's a lot of incredible women, women athletes, baseball players, yeah. women mm-hmm. softball players. And um, there's no head coaches yet, but I think there's first base, third base coaches that are mm-hmm. women. 
There's uh, female referees in the NBA. Yeah. I don't know if there's any female umpires in the major leagues or not. I don't know. Um, so anyway, so that's my one quick take, which I thought was kind of awesome. I always like sharing those things and the other, and Kathy, this one's going to annoy you. Oh boy. So just be Great. prepared. Um, and it's not from the messenger because the messengers are Jason and Cecilia Hilke. They do this thing called happily family. It's similar to us. They don't do a podcast like we do, but they're going after the same audience and we consider them collaborators with us. They're good friends of ours. And some, when I pick up my kid, I always say the same thing. I may have even shared this on the podcast, which was how was school, mm -hmm. which is the worst question you could ask a kid mm -hmm. because it's the lamest question. Right. There's no, there's no creativity. So, um, so I'm going to link to this little blog they did of different things you can ask your kid when you pick them up from school. Well, this doesn't annoy me oh, okay. at, at all. So I just, I highlighted a few that I liked and they broke them up into different categories, questions about learning, okay. questions about teachers, okay. questions, uh, social questions and emotional questions. So a few of the questions, questions about learning, what's your favorite topic to learn about? Um, what's your favorite class? Like this is better than how was school? What's your least favorite class? Questions about teachers. What has your teacher done that you disagreed with? Oh, interesting one. What has your teacher done that you really appreciate it? Mm -hmm. These are much better questions than what I usually give. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is what I try to do, I'm sure I have said recently, how was your day at school? I'm sure I've done that because we all do it. But if you're talking to your kid about school already, then it's really good to kind of hold on to things they've told you so you can re- so you can come back, you know, circle around and ask them about that. Like that's tends to be what I ask my girls at the end of the day. Like if I know my daughter's working on a picture that she took last night, I'll be like, how did the picture yeah. turn out today? Yeah. Or if my daughter had early morning choir, it'll be like, how was early morning mm -hmm. choir? Mm -hmm. You know, like talk about the specifics. Of yeah. I think experience. the more specifics, mm -hmm. the questions, the better. Mm -hmm. um, do you like strict teachers or flex flexible teachers? Social questions. What do you like better working on your own or in a small group? Why? Mm -hmm. Who are your best friends at school? And then lastly, emotional questions. What feelings do you have when you think about school? Mm. I think most of our, most kids would be like that. I don't want to go. I guess the key to this is remembering that you don't have to solve these things that mm, what you're trying to do good. is engage in a conversation. And if they give you information that maybe it makes you feel uncomfortable or, or worries you, or, or I don't know, I mean, it could engage another conversation that's worthwhile, but you don't necessarily have to solve these things. You're just, you're trying to communicate and allow your child to express themselves. So if you're like me and you like structure, um, I'm going to link to Jason and Cecilia's uh, blog. So you can look at them all and just print them off and put them on your fridge or put them in your notebook and just go with that. Because if I were listening to like, oh yeah, I got to remember that. And then you get in this thing and you're like, oh, I don't know what they said. Right. You know, there you go. So anyways, um, don't forget about Team Zen. We actually um, did a Team Zen talk yesterday, mm -hmm. which is Monday. Hey, thanks to those who came out last Friday for my uh, Zen Mother's Day talk discussion. It actually ended up being more of a Q&A than anything else. I had this whole thing ready, but everybody had really great questions and it allowed me to integrate what I was going to share anyway into the question and answer. So um, thanks to everybody. We had uh, over a hundred people signed up and mm -hmm. then, you know, people showed up and, and I hope to do more of that because I kind of feel like um, parents right now are just looking for community and support. And can I ask a very, you know, people like want to ask a specific question and then they recognize that they are not the only ones dealing with that question. 
Um, it's like what we say to our kids when they're in school about, you know, there, there are no dumb questions, raise your hand and ask because everybody's probably wondering. Um, that's what I find most, uh, beneficial at our talks or at team Zen stuff. Don't yeah, you? Absolutely. Where people say, Oh, me too. Or yeah. here's what I did. Yeah. You don't feel alone. Yeah. So the last one we did, uh, Zen talk 142, um, one of the moms asked persuading her 10 year old son to go to therapy. Another mom asked about releasing control over her 15-year-old son, which was like a really interesting conversation. It was, yeah. And then sibling rivalry. So in, we invite you to um, join us. We have spots open for five people. Five more. And then we're going to um, try to manage uh, Teams in a little bit different way. So um, Actually, I'm super excited about that. Yeah. Like We didn't really talk about this before we came on, but we are like creating a platform. It's like an app. Yeah, Zen Parenting app. So people can have access to things really quickly and they don't have to search our website and they don't have to go to, in I mean, still keep going to Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, but that you can actually just go on your phone. It's not ready yet, but I, the way I'm going to explain it once it's ready is it's a, it's a, it's a merging of our Facebook community. Yeah. And our website. Yeah. On your phone. Yeah. So it's all there yeah. available. So you, and, and. The hope is that it's more interactive. And the thing is, is it's good for you and I, yeah. because then we can focus where we, one of the things that I'm kind of figuring out right now is where to focus energy. Yeah. Um, and I would like one place, like an app where I can be like, oh, this is where I am mm -hmm. rather than I'm here, 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 here. It's too much. So stay tuned on that. And okay. last thing, um, I guess this is the third quick take before we get into the guts of the podcast. Okay. Today, May 10th is National Fentanyl Awareness Day. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about fentanyl before four or five months ago. And then one of my friends told me that his son was addicted to fentanyl. And then there's this whole other part about how fentanyl is getting into some of the other drugs that kids are taking, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, street drugs. And I don't quite understand it, but I'm going to include a link into this email that I got that talked about how to understand what it is, how, what you can do as a parent to support, um, your understanding of it just so that we're not blind to it because we got to stay up with the times. I know. I never heard the term fentanyl before, like a year ago. Yeah. And then we watched euphoria mm -hmm. and Rue took it mm -hmm. and it knocked her socks off to mm. say the least. Yeah. 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 I, 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 this is not a place where I am. Um, I have enough knowledge to really share. I'm kind of where you are, where I'm just in the learning process of, um, hearing from parents that their kids have tried it or are struggling with it and how it's being, um, used. So, more to come, I guess, more information for us to share later on. Uh, the press release includes quotes from several experts in various fields who are determined to raise awareness about illicit fentanyl in fake pills and street drugs. Illegally made fentanyl is the primary driver of the recent increase in overdose deaths. So did you hear what Todd just said? Illegally made fentanyl. That's that's the real big issue. That's why there have been increased overdoses yeah. is because of the way it's made. Yeah. Um, not to say that any other fentanyl is it's, it's just, that's, I think been the struggle, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. So, okay. Um, so your Zen parenting moment, you do it every Friday and last, I don't even know if this came out on Friday. Well, I think it, it was Tuesday and it was called women's stories. And I always like to start with the quote and the quote was from Gloria Steinem. And the quote is this, the art of life is not controlling what happens to us, but using what happens to us. Mm -hmm. Um, what was the inspiration on this moment and what is it that you'd like to share, sweetie? Well, I mean, it's pretty long. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, you're going to have to like take a part for me and like, I know exactly what I wrote about because sure. I'm very aware, but where, I mean, where do you want me to begin here? 
Um, well, you start saying being a social worker fills you up with pride and it's allowed you to witness what's beautiful and good and also confronting what's unjust and fair. Yeah, I think let, let's just start with that really quick. So the reason I wrote a um, something and then put it out on Tuesday um, is because of what was leaked from the Supreme Court um, in regards to Roe v. Wade being overturned. And I, I will say that last week was really hard for me and I'm working um, through that with in a lot of different ways, which we can kind of talk about, but I will say that I felt the need, like one of the ways that I deal with my discomfort or where I get really overwhelmed is I write. It doesn't mean I share everything I write, but I wanted, I felt the need to share about taking a wider perspective on women. Mm -hmm. Um, because what I get the opportunity to do as a clinician, and I feel like it's the greatest gift. And it's why I love to teach social work students, because I can't think, I mean, for me, everybody loves their career, but how amazing is it that I get to support people, talk to people, focus on the good of people. And also I am someone that people will tell the worst things that ever happened to them. Mm -hmm. So I'm dealing with humanity and inhumanity yeah. all the time. And I can't think of a better career choice, at mm -hmm. least for me. Um, I know not everybody feels that way, but I do. And I felt what I struggled with last week and what I struggle with when it comes to issues around women's rights overall is I think that there is such a, a, a narrow perspective on what we believe is right or wrong for people. Um, and we can talk about this with abortion and we can talk about this with a million other things sure. when it comes to women um, is that we will say, and I, and I see a lot of women saying this, I would never do this. This is wrong because I knew one person who took advantage of a situation. Um, I read an article about this, or I grew up with this experience. Therefore, nobody should do this. And it's such a narrow lens on what's what is helpful um, and what is, um, I don't want to use too general of words like good and right, what is necessary mm -hmm. for women, depending on where they live, their age, their socioeconomic means, their culture. And we get very um, focused on, because I feel this way, everybody should think this way. One of the blessings of being a social worker is I've worked with so many different women mm -hmm. that there are there there's no such thing as one right answer it right. does not exist there are so many nuanced and um and out of control reasons yeah I, and when i say out of control what i mean is women are not always as we know in charge of what's happening to them sure. there are there's legislation that blocks them there are um, there's crime that is committed um, on them, you know, to them. Um, there is there is like an oppression that's a big part of our culture and our country that women experience. And, and we aren't making choices in a vacuum. There's like all of these things happening to us at once. Yeah. So I feel like what I hear you saying is that you have been, you have put yourself in a position to be in proximity with people of all, all these different, different experiences. Exactly. exactly. And there's a lot of people out there yes. that are making rules yes. that have not been, that have not had the gift of proximity. They not only do they not have the gift of proximity, they don't even have the research or mm -hmm. understanding of what is necessary yeah. in supporting what they call family values. Mm -hmm. 
like the, we know we have all this understanding and research around what is needed to, um, to support parents, to support children as they develop. We actually, you know, Todd was just saying we had, um, we just had Dana Suskind on our show this morning and she, we're going to post her, uh, our podcast and our interview with her next week. But we talked about all of this research that we have available to us about what really supports and impacts a family. Yet we spend all of our time not focusing on those things yeah. and turning against each other about things that we may have our own issue with. Mm -hmm. We may say, you know, this is where I struggle or this is this is something I would do or I wouldn't do, but we don't have the information yeah. about everybody else and how they are being um uh, you know the impact on them sure. and what their needs are. And I just if there's anything that I could share and, and I know I'm not alone in sharing this is just for everybody, not just about the issue of Roe v. Wade, um, which is a big enough issue for us to focus on. Um, you know, we can do 80,000 shows on it, but is we have to be able to expand our understanding beyond just us and our community. Yeah. Like we have to be able to see human beings with different histories, with different means, and recognize that what may work for us does not work for everybody. Yeah. And I feel like I, maybe I'm being too general here, um, but I don't, I, I think that Roe v. Wade is just another indicator of our lack of understanding mm -hmm. about maternal wellness, what it means to be a parent, what it means to be a mother, what it means to raise a child, the implications of pregnancy, the implications of challenges in a pregnancy, the implications of being forced to give birth. I mean, can you believe I'm even saying that sentence? Mm -hmm. um, the implications of being a victim of rape or incest, and then being told, I saw a, um, a uh, politician say that maybe women could use that as an opportunity. Mm. I mean, can you believe that these things are being said in this day and age? And it's not me pointing my finger at that one person. It's that we even have a culture that allows for that kind of conversation yeah. where we are. It's so in, there's like no humanity in it. Mm -hmm. There's like no compassion in it. There is only, I want to win. I'm right. My side is going to get this or that. And one of the things I really, I'm going to bring Dana back into this conversation, Dana Suskind. Uh, Suskind about her book, Parent Nation. One of the things I really appreciated about her book is that we have to have more of a community identity, like where we realize we all want the same things. Yeah. And instead we keep fighting each other about these issues where we're like, we're trying to like one up each other on morality or one up each other on who's stronger or better. And we all want the same thing. Yeah. How many of you want to have, you know, a supportive community where you feel like your parenting is enhanced? How many of you want to feel like you get to choose when you are ready to have a family that you and your partner get to decide this is the time in life that this is going to happen. And, and I know, I know this to be true because this is not just a women's issue. I mean, are there, do you work with many men mm -hmm. who are like, yeah, I would just like to, 
men feel this way too, correct? Some that, men. They, yeah, I guess. And I'm not talking about abortion here. I'm talking about choice and in, yeah. in, in when they want to have a family and when they're ready to become a parent. Sure. And, and, and it's not just about abortion. It's about reproductive care. It's about supporting families. It's about, um, you know, having a sense of being able to listen to what people need rather than imposing what people need and seeing how a lot of people don't have resources and capabilities to do what you expect them to do. And everybody, and, and it leaves us feeling alone and fighting each other. Well, and it's just simply not a level playing field because the decision makers, if you look at who's making these rules, most of them are white men who have not had to think about these, think about these yeah, things. I know. And, you know, my hope is that we could have a more balanced view before we make rules that impact 51% of the population. And I guess I will just say this because we can go down these, you know, paths. Like I have been having this discussion with people since I've been 18 years old. So there is nothing new for me to hear Mm -hmm. regards to, and, and I don't mean I'm not listening anymore. What I mean is when I'm listening to the arguments in the interviews or on TV, when I'm watching the arguments on Instagram, there's nothing new under the sun. We're all fighting about the exact same issues. We keep having the we same argument. The over same and over argument. And over so I, I will continue to listen, but I also, you know, I'm like, yes, this is a real thing. Like everybody's point is valid, but that's the whole point. Can we recognize that you can have your perspective, but also you need to have a wider perspective that other people have a valid reason mm-hmm. and and an understandable sometimes life sustaining reason yeah. for choices and that um and that you know i i've talked with a lot of my friends who are also social workers clinicians therapists you know a girlfriend who is actually a sexual assault um you know social worker and that's those are the girls that she works with yeah. um uh you know every day of her life and and imagine how it that is for her. Yeah. yeah. And imagine like her daily experience. And, and again, I, we, we want to make it cleaner. We mm-hmm. just want to be right. Mm-hmm. We just want to be like, this is the right thing. And that's the only thing. And, and we don't see the whole picture. So um, with that said, I just, I, I'm tired of being angry and overwhelmed and feeling powerless. Mm-hmm. Like I, because the reason I'm tired of it is because I know the vast majority of this country wants to support parents and families and, um, and women. I, I know it. And, and I've always known it. Even when I have, even when I'm in these powerless moments, the reason it feels like insult to injury is because it's not the majority, Yeah, you know? And so I, I'm like, what is happening mm-hmm. where we are allowing ourselves to be, you know, I don't even know what we're bombarded, overwhelmed by. Um, it's like we're being beaten down mm-hmm. to a point where we can't even speak what we need anymore. Um, yeah. Um, so when we just interviewed Dr. Dana and she's part of what her platform is, is investing in parents uh, zero through five. Yeah. And how and investing in parenting for the long term and as well. the long term, mm-hmm. but specifically that's the most impressionable, yeah. most important years yeah. of a child's life. Mm-hmm. And she threw out some stats about how much money we spend as a society to uh, invest in our children during those years. And it's like, 
in, in the countries that you guys think of where they invest a lot in families like Norway, Finland, mm. it's like $30,000 a kid mm. in the average developed country. It's more like $14,000 a kid. Yeah. So tell them what it is in our country. And in our country, it's $500 a kid mm-hmm. for those five years. Mm-hmm. I think oh, yeah, maybe that's what she said. it's, it's $500 a kid per year. I think mm-hmm. it's per year mm-hmm. too. So, um, the, the reason I bring that up is because, um, I think most people would say, do we want to invest in resources supporting parents to do a really good job with their kids, zero to five? Most people say yes, yes. yet the the water we're swimming in, the, the policies that we have to- The truth of the moment. Truth of the moment is um, most of the policies in our country do not support that. Do not support families, do not support children. There is no one there. We do. We are a country that claims family values, Mm -hmm. but we do not invest in families Mm -hmm. and we keep chipping away. Even at the investments that we have made, we keep chipping away at them because we are a country that, that it does not practice what it preaches. Well, and and so, so the reason I brought that up is because most people would believe in that. Yet we all, participate in a system that mm-hmm. doesn't allow for that or mm-hmm. does not encourage that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just us bringing this up, we've done been doing this podcast for 11 years and I don't really come to this podcast with any answers. I don't know if you do, like mm-hmm. we're kind of confused on how best to move forward. So I'm, I'm just owning my own confusion on what's the next right thing to do. And I'm one of the things that, that I struggle with is that what I realize, and I and I think I wrote this, maybe I did another Instagram post later where I wrote something else because I've been writing a lot for the last week, where I said, you know, if you're walking around thinking that you're failing or that you're doing something wrong, or that if you were just a better mom or a better parent, then everything would be okay. It's not true. You're it's a setup. It's a complete setup. It's a system. It's a culture. You are living in something where you feel like you're being told that you're not doing well enough, but really you don't have the resources, not because you won't access them, but because they are not available to you. And most of the resources are available to the white privileged class, which I consider myself part of. And the minority and the poor do not have the same resources. But I would even say even like the resources, like, yes, to everything you just said. But I will add to that, even a parent who is struggling right now with getting their kid resources, and they may have financial stability, and they may have a good insurance, and they still can't get access to resources for their kids. So they definitely have the upper hand and they definitely have, they're more likely to feel ability. Well, and I just, I talked about the 60 minutes that was on last night Mm -hmm. and the mental wellness crisis amongst this country, but specifically to children. And I don't know how long it takes for some parent to get their kid in therapy or into a psychiatrist, but there's a waiting list in most cases. And the waiting list could be 30 to 60 to 90 to 120 days. Like that's not right. Like we should have the ability 
to get the kids our help that they need when they need it. And also to have support systems for the therapists and the clinicians and the doctors who are helping the kids. Mm -hmm. So this is like a systemic issue. Like, because I, you know, part of, you know, people say there's not therapists available or therapists have waiting lists or therapists won't take me. And therapists are human beings also who need support and help. And they don't, they have all these struggles with it. If it be them managing insurance or managing their time or, or they have children of their own and they're trying to figure out how to do exactly what you're trying to figure out to do. We are all in, we're all swimming in this together and we're pointing the fingers at each other. And the thing is, is we, we all want the same thing. There is nobody out there who's like, yes, my goal, uh, my political goal is to harm families. Mm -hmm. My political goal is to make um, parents feel, feel more guilty, or my political goal is to hurt children. Nobody says that we all want the same thing, but our methods end up pitting us against each other. Mm -hmm. We all want, we all love our kids. You guys, I, you know, the amount of different people I talk to all the time. I mean, yes, there's the, you know, everyone's gonna be like, but what about this story? Yes, I get it. But that is such a small percentage. Everybody loves their kids and wants the best for them. And so if we can start from that starting place, instead of thinking we need to um, combat each other. And, and I think what I'm recognizing is that, that there is a sense of like, we have to have, how do I say this? I don't want to get too tired to talk about these things. I want to continue supporting families and supporting my own family and supporting you know, organizations or groups that are committed to supporting families. And I have to figure out ways to keep my endurance up yeah. because what I'm recognizing is every time we get hit with this new information that women's rights are going to be taken away or um, that not only are women's rights being taken away here, but it's just the beginning of a domino effect and everything's going to be taken away. I can't handle that. I mean, it's too much for me to do my everyday things for myself, for my family, for my mom, for my daughters, and also try and hold up the world and be like how, and, and again, when I'm saying this, do you see how I even sound like I'm doing it by myself, which is a completely, that's not true. Yeah. How many people out there right now are feeling this way, but we're not unified on it. We're, we're all kind of like just struggling with it in our own homes. And I don't know. I, I, you know, I'll stop for a second, but that's kind of how I feel like that all these, this paradoxical stuff I'm saying, where it's mm -hmm. like this way, that way, this is kind of where we are right now. Yeah. And I figure I need to figure out how to, like, I just noticed, um, I just went on Instagram really quick and I noticed Brene Brown is taking a, like a three month hiatus. She's not going to come back till September. And I really, I get that. Um, I look to her as a leader. And part of me is like, Oh, you know, like I listen to her podcast. I look to her messaging and I, and I don't want her to go anywhere, but I understand for her to get to a new level of awareness and supportive, you know, and, and idea making and whatever they're doing sure. in her organization, she needs time. Yeah. Create space, recalibrate, yes. get inspired. And don't we all? Well, yes. And you and I have been doing this podcast for 11 years, haven't taken a break. And I think that's because we like doing it. And most of the time, 95% of the time, I'm excited to come down here and have a conversation with you. Um, What's that other 5%? Oh, I'm in a grumpy mood yeah, and I I'm just, just don't want to do this. Yeah, me too. Um, 
but no, there's, and there's a, there's a part of me that is worried. Like, Oh, if we go away for three months, <laughs> no, nobody will ever come back. Right. Like it's hard, like in the world of podcasting, right. Where everybody's got a podcast now. And there's a lot of good, high quality podcasts out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some fear in me. Like, I don't want to do that because it just gives people an excuse to, to lose us. And I love our audience. I love having a microphone in front of X amount of people to share our stories. So, and other people's stories and other people's stories, you know, the experiences we have, but also other people's experiences. Like that's the goal is this, you know, I was, I was thinking about how, what I struggle with, with my book, with Zen parenting that came out a couple months ago is I struggle to, that's for your book, sweetie. Well, I appreciate that because what I struggle with is it's not simple. Mm-hmm. And yet it is meaning that there's, the, I tried to like lay it out like in a way that is um, uh, accessible, but people want sound bites from me. Yeah. They're like, what is this? Tell me, you Tell know, me how to, how to market this. it, how to, how to use it. What is it that you're trying to promote? What is this? And it's too nuanced. It It is, there's so many different aspects of what it means to be a human being and so many different things we um, can focus on to, to support ourselves, to support our kids. And I just did an interview a couple of weeks ago and a woman asked me, I may have already shared this, but I'll share it again. Cause it's worthwhile. She said, what is, you know, what if something that what's your greatest concern and with this book or what, what concern do you have? And I said, it's interesting. One of my greatest concerns is that people read this and they think everything is their fault and that if they would just do this or that, then everything would be great, Mm -hmm. that they somehow think everything is because they're not, they're somehow failing personally versus what really the focus is, is to have enough time and presence to even recognize what you need. So then you can ask for it. Yeah. And the asking for it, I think, is a tricky part for everybody, but specifically moms, because they're they're asked to do everything. Yes. And so then that becomes another chore Mm -hmm. is, okay. I am going to recognize what I need. I'm going to recognize my history. I'm going to be mindful. I'm going to, you know, practice breathing. But then I have yet another thing to do, which is I have to ask someone for help. And, and then if I ask my partner and my partner doesn't want to help, what do I do? Or I finally reach out to a therapist and there's a waiting list or, and I just know that, that a lot of parents, I don't want them to feel like like just the whole idea of what Zen parenting means, like Zen parenting does not mean if you're calm, then life is easy. Like that's not what Zen means. Like Zen is about seeing things as they are like, you know, Zen masters, they talk a lot about truth, but that word has gotten a little muddled. And all they're saying is, do you see the reality in front of you? And are you, are you recognizing what's happening in this moment? And are you giving yourself enough room to realize that other things are available to you or that you can do different things? Everything changes. Everything is uncertain and pay attention is how people talk about Zen. And that is not nuanced, Mm -hmm. Todd. And I'm trying to think that is, that is so nuanced. Yeah. I'm trying to think of anything that is not nuanced and every single time, like if we give any advice on this podcast, which we really do, but if we did, um, every single piece of advice would not work in certain situations. Right. Because depending on who you are, your who background, you are, where you live, all the above. It's available. So yet you're writing a book 
hopefully trying to help moms and dads become better versions of themselves. And even whatever advice, even whatever information is in your book, there's always a possibility that in that situation, maybe it's not that applicable. Yeah. And, you know, my goal, as I've said for a long time, and the goal of this show too, is always compassion because that's where I think is the foundational, that's where the root of us then can get regrounded and then begin again. Like when I'm talking about endurance, like compassion is where it allows us to to let go, release, see things clearly, have some forgiveness, release shame, um, not live in this sense of overwhelm. And then we can begin again. And when I say begin again, I don't mean, I mean, we do that every day. We can do that five times a day. This is not something where we like create a new vision board and start over. This is not like a, this isn't a constant experience of practicing compassion for ourselves and then other people. Like, and that goes back to these, these women's rights issues is I wish, and Todd, I'm going to go here. And I didn't think I was going to go here, but I am. I wish more men understood how this affects them. And I wish there was greater understanding and compassion and willingness to speak up about for when I say speak up for men who kind of have an understanding or see the big picture or, you know who, who really would like women to have the same rights as they do and and body autonomy. I wish they were more vocal. It, it, It was really hard for me last week that, um, you and I had plenty of conversations about it, but it was hard for me to see how there's a lot of men who speak up about a lot of issues. And then this major issue came up that affects 51% of the population population. And there weren't I, I I wouldn't say there were any, that's not very true, few. but there were very few and it was really hard. Yeah. And I would love to be able to say, oh, this is why men don't speak up. Um, and I don't have the answer to that. I think that there's just this inherent inequality when it comes to, um, you know, pro-life, pro-choice and the women are the ones that have to deal with it, whether they have a choice or not. Mm-hmm. And us guys, can be like, oh, well, that's not my issue. But do you ever, and I know you do, but just, do you ever think about that? You are half of what creates a baby. Mm-hmm. You, you are that's also, taking responsibility. Why is there no legal repercussions? Why is there nothing know. that affects a man in this situation? For doing. Why are yeah. you not part of this conversation in that you're going to have like legal implications? Because collectively we, as men do not take responsibility. We're pawning it off to our female partners or an inability to even see it. Yeah. Like it, there's, you can say pawning it off, but it's almost like you think this happens like magically. magically. Yeah. Like where are the restrictions on you? Mm-hmm. Where are the changes that you have to make? Right. Where is the body autonomy that you're going to lose? Yeah. Where is the birth control pill that you're taking? Right. Sweetie, we can't take birth control because it produces side effects us guys and you guys he's not joking there are birth control pills for men but the men didn't like the side effects and we can even um you know that's like not just us being flippant that's like real things (laughs) um and the amount of side effects that women experience when it comes to it's just just the gender inequality that runs rampant but it's for the most part as far as i could tell most mostly women that are standing in their power, fighting the good fight. And us guys just get off easy and it's not right. And I've also had um, challenges with 
my inability to speak up and I'm leaning into it as best I can. And I think the reason most guys don't is either they ignore it or they don't want to be looked at um, as somebody who is having an opinion that they th- that they, that won't be unwelcome to others. But you guys have no problem having opinions that are unwelcome to others. Mm-hmm. I mean, I totally hear what you're saying. I'm not trying to get on your case yeah. personally, but men have unwelcome opinions all the time and don't like you guys have lots of opinions, how everything should be done. Well, so. I'm just trying to think like if I'm in a bar with a bunch of guys and a guy tells a sexist joke for the other guys will think, well, who's the sexist here, but they won't say anything uh-huh. because we have a, a, Oh, like social norms. Yes. Adhering social to. norms. Okay. All right. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. saying it's right. It's yeah. messed up. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just trying to, well, and I, I think all, you know, and again, if it be about Roe v. Wade or emotional labor or anything, or when it, you know, equality in the workforce, whatever we're talking about, what we're, what I'm always just trying to talk about when it comes to women is just a balanced understanding of, of humanity. Like there are certain things you guys want and expect, but you don't think that should be given to others. Mm-hmm. And, or, and, you know, and I'm not even diving into race and socioeconomic Mm -hmm. issues that, that make this even a bigger problem. Um, you know, there's this belief that this, you know, freedom that, that men want, but they're like, they don't see that as, as something that other people either are either deserving of, or they're not, it's either a blind spot or they're just choosing to look away. Right. And I, I, my hope in a way is that it is a blind spot that more conversation allows us to open the conversation, like uh, more conversation allows us to open the conversation, allows us to communicate with each other in kind of, because what is compassion? What is Mm self-awareness? It's the ability to recognize what you want and what you believe, and then taking those glasses and looking at the rest of the world and being like, is this happening for other people too? Or, or has someone had an experience I haven't had or, it's, it's a, um, you know, like I said, it's a narrow viewpoint sometimes for people where they only think about their home and their house and their kids Mm -hmm. and they don't. And sometimes they're not even well-informed. Like, you know, a lot of parents say to me, well, my kid won't run into this issue because, you know, whatever it may be. And then they don't understand that their kid has done drugs or Mm -hmm. they don't understand that their kid is already sexually active or they don't understand. Like I'm talking to the teenagers and the college students too. Mm -hmm. And parents are not very well informed about what kids are going through, trying, doing their mental, you know, their mental um, wellness. And so we, even as parents, sometimes we're, we're not playing with the, the, the correct information. We we don't have it. We're, assuming that we know yeah. what kids need and we're not correct. So, um, you know, this is, um, a topic that is sometimes uncomfortable to talk about, but Kathy and I just decided that we were going to talk about it in the best way we know how we don't, we don't have a choice anymore. That's the thing. Like I, well, we didn't have a choice five years ago yet. We chose not to bring it up. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if that's true for me, I think I've been talking about this for a long time. I judged that in the beginning, we were very vanilla and not wanting to. Oh, talk about. Yeah. It's anything controversial or anything where there's high energy behind it, Well, whether it's gun rights or pro, pro Roe v. Wade or whatever. And 
you know, we are trying to find, we're not trying to find our voice. I am trying to speak my voice in the best way that I know how at the, sometimes at the expense of it being unpopular with some people out there listening. Well, and I guess the way I look at it is, is I'm not saying we need to convince people to look at things one way. What I'm saying is, can we expand and see things from a lot of different perspectives? Because there's, it's not about let's take choice, more choice away from people. It's about how do we offer similar choice to all people Mm -hmm. and how do we have, and, 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 when I speak in these generalities, it, it becomes too simplified. Like there's so much work to be done as far as recognizing, you know, what it is that we really believe and, and what our experiences have been and how we can apply that to better understanding other people. So it's not, it's a discussion to your point, it's ongoing. Mm -hmm. Like it's not a, um, we're not going to solve anything in this conversation, but the conversation is the beginning of something new. Well, and for me, I just need to be in my integrity and I don't want to withhold and, you know, use my voice and use my truth. And sometimes I do that well. And sometimes I cower to, um, to fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just don't want to pretend that I know all the answers, but I don't, I also don't want to like, put a blanket over me and not say anything of things that I believe in. Well, and I guess that's kind of what, how we'll sum up today is that that's kind of what I mean is I'm trying to figure out a way to keep speaking up and talking about things, not just that Kathy believes in, this Mm -hmm. isn't about follow Kathy. I'm talking to so many different people and, and like bringing all of these experiences together to share with people, have an open dialogue, have an open dialogue about, you know, I've talked with this kid and this is what they're experiencing. This woman, I've been doing this for 20 years, 25 Mm -hmm. years. So the information is, is vast. And how can we have these conversations about so many different people's experiences? And then at the same time, how do we take care of ourselves individually in the process? Because what I'm realizing is that I am becoming tired and overwhelmed by all of this. And, and I don't want to not show up, but I also want to live Mm -hmm. and like, enjoy taking a walk and being with my kids. Once again, that's a nuance. Exactly. And not feeling like we're, as I wrote about holding up the sky um, all the time. And that if we, if we just look away for a minute that everything's going to fall apart, but that's how it can feel sometimes. So it's like, I guess what Todd and I would say is that you're not alone if you're feeling that way, where you constantly read the news and think, God, like just another thing I have to worry about or, or speak up about or protest about, or, um, or, or just be concerned about, even if you, even if there are some people who may agree with certain things that have happened, um, legislatively, but they still have other things that they're concerned about. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not, that's what I mean is, you know, going back to this community of investment, you know, community where we're investing in the same things and we're recognizing that we actually have more in common. Everything is cyclical, isn't it, Todd? Because I feel like when we started this show, we would speak really generally Mm -hmm. and we would talk about, you know, just take care of yourself and be empathetic. And, you know, and we have these really basic ideas. And I feel like over the last 11 years, so much has changed and evolved and certain topics have gotten heavier and mm-hmm. bigger and challenges, but then we go back to the exact same yeah, principles we come back to the foundations, you know, nothing has changed yeah. as far as these standard ideas of that, you know, no matter who you are, I care about you mm-hmm. and I care about, and I think the vast majority of people care, care about people. When I go, when we go out in the world and we go to like a 
to go shop or pick something up or a restaurant or whatever. Everybody's so nice to each other. I mean, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. we have all these videos of people being mean to each sure. other, but really for the most part, I'm yeah. not seeing a bunch lot of, of people that. not killing each other. Right. Yeah. And so we can do this, Yeah. but we have to first take care of ourselves, recognize where we are, foundation, sense of stability. And then we go out and we offer that to other people. And we, we listen to people's experiences Mm -hmm. instead of just live in our own vacuum of this is what's right for me. Therefore it's right for everybody. Yeah. Um, so, um, thanks for listening to everybody. (laughs) I have no idea what we just said. Well, that's why we recorded. (laughs) Um, I do want to invite anybody to buy Kathy's book, Zen parenting, caring for ourselves and our children in an unpredictable world. Please do. I think it'll make you feel less alone. Yeah. Maybe more, you know, if you want to dive into this compassion idea, you can listen to all of our shows, but I put it all together. Yeah. So um, Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald head of beauty. He does painting and remodeling. He's our only sponsor and he's the best sponsor. Um, 630-956-1800. If you live in the Chicagoland area, he's your guy, avico.net. And then lastly, um, in on June, let me look at the date. On June 9th, I am facilitating a discussion um, and I'm calling it a Muslim, a Jew and a Christian walk into a Zoom room. And it's just our ability to um, educate ourselves about the different religions. And I am hoping that moms and dads show up and bring their kids so that they can hear the differences. Like, let's have a basic understanding of everybody's religion. We're going to talk about their similarities and their differences. And you can RSVP for that event in the show notes. So I hope to see you there. Um, anything else, my darling? I think that's it. Thanks everybody. And I would just say, you know, after all this, you know, this discussion we've had, just, it's okay to take a break, take care of yourself, focus on what you need and take that rest. And then, and then you'll use it to help people once you feel strong again. Let me just say that we'll just take a a note from Brene Brene Brown on this one and maybe take a little break and then come back to what we know we need to do. Yeah. And after all that, just keep trucking. (laughs) Adios, everybody. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are always grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen pre-ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com. If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we will talk to you again next week.